Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Hello again, and welcome to Think Humanities. Today, part two of our podcast, we began last week featuring a museum on Main Street exhibit at the Barron County Cultural Center in Glasgow. Crossroads is the name of the museum on Main Street, Changes in Rural America. Many Americans assume that rural communities are endangered and hanging on by a thread, suffering from out-migration, ailing schools, and overused land. But that perception is far from true in many areas. Many rural Americans work hard to sustain their communities. Why should revitalizing the rural places left behind matter to those who remain, those who have left their rural areas, and those who will come in the future? That's what this exhibit is intended to do, make you think about rural America and its future. The exhibit in Glasgow also features an added bonus. Voices of the Segregated Past will soon be featured at the Kentucky Humanities Museum on Main Street exhibit in Glasgow in April, and I'll have more on that later. First, three of the men who grew up in small communities playing basketball and other sports, members of teams while they were growing up in junior high school and high school that were all black, all African-American student bodies and sports teams. The men are Clarence Glover, a member of the Kentucky Humanities Board of Directors, Charles Hunter, and Floyd Bridges. If you're a sports fan of a certain age and generation, you'll remember all three of these men for what they accomplished on the court and how they lived their lives after leaving organized sports. Here's more of that conversation. Uh, Charlie, the the reason that uh, just to remind folks that we're talking uh, with with you um, and uh, the other names, I certainly don't want to uh, leave out Rick Starks. You mentioned Rick, but uh, James Stockton, who's I believe in uh, in Boston, he was a a big part of this uh, this booklet that we're calling that you're calling "Voices of the Segregated Past," and what. Uh, uh, just tell me, first of all, what you were trying to do with that booklet, um, and I'm going to tell folks how they can see it, and, um, and maybe even, uh, uh, well, well, we'll leave that for just uh, in a few minutes. But what, what is Voices of the Segregated Past, Charles Hunter? Okay, Bill. Um, I was approached by uh, Alonzo Webb and Rick Starks to, uh, to become a member of the what is now called the East 41 committee. And uh, so they had asked me what I considered, you know, being a member of that committee. And I told them I would. And, uh, and our first meeting was at Rick's house at his home there in Bowling Green. And, uh, and so they informed me, at least Lonnie informed me that uh, it was, uh, I think his vision that he took to Rick to talk about players that probably have been forgotten, probably never was mentioned, playing back during the time that uh, athletic sports in Kentucky 
as well as uh, schools, high schools, schools as, as a whole, were segregated. So uh, both Rick and, and Alonzo said what they would like to accomplish was to tell the story of about, I guess their main focus was living players that they all wanted to interview, that we wanted to interview and get their uh, their, I guess, their feelings, how things were back then, things that they experienced, and just to uh, just to give us some insights, you know, on on how difficult it was to uh, for them to uh, to uh, participate in athletics, you know, with the conditions that were prevalent there. Uh, during that time. And uh, so mainly uh, we wanted that, we wanted to bring that story. The committee wanted to bring that story uh, to the public and just to give, let the public have some insight on what those men. And also we want to mention the cheerleaders that also participated during that time what they all experienced, the hard times, the difficult times, and the difference being segregated versus integration. And uh, we just wanted to highlight uh, the major difference uh, of what growing up and, and, and going to school and participating in, uh, in, in uh, athletics and, and, and what that looked like. So we hope, hopefully, we 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 were able, we were going to be able to do that with this booklet that uh, that we are put together, called uh, uh, "Voices of a Segregated Past." Now, Floyd can probably uh, comment. He's also a committee member. Anything I might have left out, uh, Clarence has has been kind of a a visiting professor. Uh, he he attends our committee meetings, so. We also rely on him for uh, any uh, research information that we might not have on Horse Cave and some of those individuals that participated there at the Horse Cave Colored School uh, during those times. Floyd, let me ask you, why is it um, uh, the East 41? What's the significance of uh, U.S. Uh, Highway 41? Well, you know, Bill, I really don't know until we did a lot of research. And uh, East 41 was, was like the highway. And uh, everything of uh, East 41, back, back then, we didn't have too many interstates that was going from from uh, um, from town to town. So it was just like a U.S. Uh, 41 it was what was the major highway. It's East 41 and, and, and the West 41. And so that's how it was kind of uh, set up a little bit. That's how it's got the name of E41, the, uh, um, the, um, uh, the, the, the highway, which kind of separated. And uh, I guess as we did research, we found out that local teams around there uh, in, in, in that particular area was, was designated in, in, in a certain region. Uh, just a little bit, uh, piggyback a little bit on what uh, Charlie said, uh, Bill, is that... Uh, Wafetta Buford is, is another committee member, and uh, Don Alford is another committee member. We have about seven committee members. And what through the vision of Alonzo Webb and Rick Starks, 
what we got together is to want to um, basically show the, the, the next generation what it was really like, uh, uh, the, 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 um, the obstacles that, that and the challenges that have gone on in the past and what you had to do. And so it, it, it came, the project came more as, as an inspiration not to give up, that you can really achieve whatever you want to achieve. Uh, yes, there's going to be some setbacks. There's going to be some challenges, but perseverance was 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 the main key. And then on the shoulders of the giants that uh, preceded us, we wanted to give them some recognition. Uh, this booklet, I think, uh, in essence, Bill kind of tells it from a player's perspective. A lot of times, booklets and books come from uh, authors and their perception or whatever. But I, I hope that everyone would get. Uh, and we see from a player's perspective the the oral history, the stories that went on, the conditions that, that and the challenges that happened, and we also included the cheerleaders to give their perspective also because it was one that was everybody was involved, and there's a, a tremendous amount of community support and pride and and uh, 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 adjustments for for players back in then. So. It's the 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 booklet is is awesome, and like I say, it's we hope we we sold it from a, a player's perspective. I think Bill, and and we only we narrowed things down to E forty one, which was our region, which is South Central region. So that's how it really gets its name, E forty one, probably. Yeah, Floyd, uh, Charlie, and Clarence. Let me um, uh, tell our listeners that uh, the the region ran from. Hopkinsville to Madisonville in the West. Uh, it included Elkton and Todd County, Elkton, Todd County, Drakesboro uh, Community High School, uh, Russellville, Knob City High School, Bowling Green, Franklin, Horse Cave Colored, uh, and Glasgow, uh, Ralph Bunch. So those are the schools that, um, uh, that I understand made up the region, and they, they, you competed against them uh, all throughout uh, basketball season. And I would imagine your other sports, uh, Charlie, you said you did some track and field. Were you also competing against those same uh, all uh, segregated schools in track and field? Well, Bill, there were there are now we're mainly talking about the uh, third region, which included those uh, schools that you just mentioned. And I'll go back and you asked that question about the East 41. The East 41 was a corridor, a corridor that connected those schools pretty much that's in the in the uh, in the third region, which was uh, Glasgow, Bowling Green, Elton, uh, Drakesboro, Cause Cave, uh, Russellville. We were kind of all connected through that East 41 uh, U.S. highway, you know, so uh, that's how we mainly come up with that uh, with that subject. Uh, and that title. Uh, So you you mainly competed against those schools in all sports? Well, these are schools that competed against each other in the third region. Okay. Now, this was before my time, Bill. Okay. I'm old, but I'm not that old. (laughs) Okay. This was before my time. I was probably in the elementary uh, school during that time that we are talking about you know, starting from 1932 to 1957 or 58. 
So uh, I got a chance to watch some of those players play, which more or less inspired me to want to be a basketball player. You know, a lot of the players that uh, Ralph Bunch, uh, stars like Stanley Herndon, Charles Mansfield, uh, uh, Ernest Stockton, uh, you know, Gene Wells, Lord Esther Whitlow, Calvin Edmonds. These are just some of the guys that was our idols when we were coming up young and wanted to be like them. We wanted to, we didn't want to be like Mike. We wanted to be like them. Okay. We'll have more on voices from the segregated past after we hear from our friends at Spalding University. The Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing offers students intellectual rigor, emotional support, affordability, flexibility, and community at the world's first certified compassionate university. From certificate to terminal degree, the programs at Spalding School of Writing foster lifelong writing habits and help you forge a lasting writing community. Learn more at spalding.edu slash school of writing or email school of writing at spalding.edu. I'm talking with Floyd Bridges, uh, Charles Hunter and Clarence Glover. Uh, They are participants uh, in a booklet that is going to be available to the public. And uh, let me just, um, uh, gentlemen, if you don't mind, uh, tell uh, the listeners a little bit about uh, the voices of the segregated past and where it will be on display. Um, the booklet, uh, by that title, will be on display at the South Central Cultural Center uh, in Glasgow, Kentucky. Uh, that's a, a partnership that they have the, with Glasgow's Mary Wood Weldon Library. The exhibit uh, where the voices from the segregated past is a Kentucky Humanities Museum on Main Street called Crossroads. Uh, We've already taken Crossroads to Trimble County, to the River Discovery Center down in Paducah. Uh, It'll also be in Paris and Loretto uh, as part of our Museum on Main Street exhibit across Kentucky. Uh, Crossroads is about uh, the intersection where rural uh, America, rural Kentucky meets the urban and how Rural uh, America in places that we all grew up uh, is changing and and uh, whether it will ever be the same again. And let me just share this with you. In 1900, about 40 percent of Americans lived in rural areas, 40 percent. By 2010, less than 18 percent of the U.S. population lived in rural areas. In just over a century, massive economic and social changes led to massive growth of America's urban areas, yet less than 10% of the U.S. landmass is considered urban. Uh, many Americans assume that rural communities are endangered by and, and just barely getting by, suffering from out-migration, ailing schools, and overused land. But that perception is far from truth in many areas. Many rural Americans work hard to sustain their communities and the questions that are asked is why should revitalizing the rural places left behind matter to those who remain, those who left and those who will come into the future? So that is a little bit about the Crossroads exhibit. It's an outstanding display of Smithsonian uh, type of uh, exhibits. Uh, it's interactive. It explains the story. It's great for all of us, adults, children, there'll be a lot of school children hopefully will visit. Now, 
I have to admit to you that uh, COVID, the pandemic, has hurt some of our participation in some of these cities. Uh, people have just not been able to, to get to the museum sites. But uh, this one in Glasgow uh, will open. Uh, it's going to run from April the 10th uh, through the May 15th, April 10th through May 15th. And as a part of this, and I'm going to say a, a, a real key part of this is Voices of the Segregated Past, uh, the booklet that we're discussing. Clarence, you um, you mentioned the, uh, the, the the colored school, and that's that's not a, a term that uh, we use anymore, but um, uh, it, it's it's on that school. And I think there's another one that maybe still had that label. And of course, uh, back in the time that we're talking about in the in the late 30s, 40s and 50s, uh, that was that was commonplace. Um, tell me about what you remember uh, about the integration process that went on there um, and uh, that didn't go on in other places for a while. Uh, tell me what you remember growing up in, in Horse Cave. The integration process in Horse Cave went extremely smooth, in my estimation, with me seeing it as a fifth grade student. Uh, retrospectively, real quick, I'll only take 15 seconds. The reason I'm sitting here today is, number one, is because you invited me, and I appreciate that. Secondly is uh, I'm sitting here because Rick Starks called me, asked me to be a member of the committee, which I had to decline. But he said Floyd Bridges had him to call me, and I said, uh, in honor of Floyd, I will sit in on your meetings as a consultant, but I cannot be on your committee. Uh, when we go back to Horse Cave, I lived in Henrytown, which was a segment where African-American people lived in Horse Cave. Mr. Ralph Dorsey, who was my became my mentor after integration, Mr. Newton S. Thomas, who coached the Horse Cave College School basketball team that I knew absolutely nothing about as a fourth grader uh, because I didn't go to those games or any of those things. So it was not until later that I learned that a person became a kind of a mentor to me, although he was not around that much, by the name of Clarence Wilson. He and his cousin, Carl Cecil Helen, were the stars of the Horse Cave team that won the National Black and National Colored Tournament in 1944 and 45, 46. Those overlap in two years. And they became kind of the stars of the E41 in a sense because they went to the highest level that a black player could go at that time, and that was to the Harlem Globetrotters. And they both played on the Harlem Globetrotters, and Clarence became the coach of the Harlem Globetrotters. The smoothness of the transition from Horse Cave College School was that Mr. Newton Thomas and Mr. Ralph Dorsey worked with community members who were white and of color to make sure that everything went smoothly. Whereas that other school districts had problems, other school districts did not integrate their students until later. Mr. Dorsey and Mr. Thomas led the way. Mr. Thomas became the, he was the only black teacher that actually matriculated over to Caverna. And he became the first African-American teacher in the Commonwealth of Kentucky to teach in a formerly all white school. So the integration process went smoothly. There were a couple of things that took place. 
uh, that were the types of things that take place every place where there was a fight or two or something of that nature and between a person of color and a person that was considered Caucasian. Charlie, uh, Clarence, what um, what year was the uh, the Caverna School uh, uh, integrated? I think we were 55, 56. Yeah, that, that's fine. I think you're right. I think it was about that time. So, uh, Charlie and, and Floyd, um, we we grew up in Glasgow, 20 miles from Horse Cave, eight, eight, 15 miles from Horse Cave. Glasgow City Schools uh, did not integrate until 1965. Why the 10 year? Have you ever wondered? I, I've never been that curious to ask this question before. Why would one school in a in a smaller town uh, than Glasgow integrate 10 years before Glasgow? Have you ever talked with anyone about that or what? what's your own thought process about that? Floyd? Well, well, my thought process is that at the time you didn't really realize it. Uh, and, and being as young as we were, we didn't think anything about that. Uh, I think the Supreme Court was uh, the decision to integrate was 1954. And so it was at delivery speed. So it, it took us a little long time to 10 years later before we finally uh, integrated. But, you know, I, I think as as our community, everybody got along with everybody. And, and there was really uh, uh, no, uh, no, no problems for us, race relations. And so I, I think. Maybe there was probably some anxiety and because uh, in other different uh, uh, areas, particularly in the South, there was a lot of violence and stuff was going on. And I guess as a community in Glasgow, I can speak to that. We didn't have any problems at all. Everybody kind of got along and, and, and whatever. And, and so it was just, um, I guess, just getting up to speed or whatever. But I've also, as, a, as an adult, I've also I'll, always wondered why it took 10 years to, to, to accomplish that. And uh, I, I just go back to, I talked to Coach Richards in, uh, in Bowling Green now. He, he claims that, that if we would have integrated a little bit earlier, he might have a, a few more state championships. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's Coach Jim Richards, who coached at Glasgow and, and then went on to Western and did, of course, very well there. Um, and he would say that, wouldn't he? Um, Charlie, what, what's, your, what's your thought about that? Well, you know, Bill, as you mentioned earlier about your dad, you know, coming down the bunch and watching us play, and I think you also said you was there as well. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was always amazing that uh, – and, and there were quite a few, you know, white uh, citizens there in Glasgow that came, to, came down the bunch and watched us play. And uh, – as we all know, you know, and the history kind of uh, that kind of led to or at least contributed to uh, schools integrating probably was through sports. I think we were able probably to become closer and and probably have a little better relations through sports than we did probably maybe at the academic level in the beginning. So. As Floyd mentioned, there was somewhat a, a pretty smooth transition. As far as I know, I was already gone and, and, and was there in Oklahoma City. Uh, and uh, But I never heard of any major incidents uh, when the school integrated in Glasgow. And as far as I knew, uh, you know, 
And like Clarence said, there was going to be a few, you know, incidents because there were, you know, I'm sure there were kids that were, had grown up, uh, had been more or less taught about, you know, uh, and probably never been in associations with African-Americans. So all of a sudden now they're going to school, sitting beside African-Americans in classrooms. So I'm sure for for some of them, it was going to be quite a shock, you know. So there was some getting used to and adjusting that I think was probably required on both sides, both black and white. So uh, now why the schools never uh, uh, hadn't integrated uh, prior to that time, one could probably only think about the community leaders and, uh, and, and who was probably, and what their, I guess, their thoughts were about integration, integrating schools, and whether or not they felt it was the right time to do it. So I'm pretty sure that probably played a big part. Well, I think um, a lot of the reason for progress, and and quite frankly, I think we we probably all share uh, how proud we are of um, of of many of the citizens and and of the ball players that went on to to be quite successful. But one individual has always stood out to me uh, in my life is Luska Twyman, and. Uh, Luska, to me, um, was always representative of um, of the relationship that blacks and whites had in Glasgow. But he also uh, it was pointed out to me many times. You're from Glasgow. Isn't that the Luska Twyman, the first black mayor of a city in Kentucky? Oh, yes. I'm we're, we're all very proud of that. But but am I incorrect in thinking that that Mr. Twyman had uh, a part in this athletic um, this this athletic conference in some way was was he a teacher or a coach at at bunch? Uh, yes, uh, 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 Principal Twyman uh, was uh, the first uh, coach. He and uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Connolly, who was a history civics teacher there at bunch, were our first coaches at Ralph Bunch. Hmm. Uh, not at Ralph, yeah, at Ralph Bunch. And, uh, you know, at that time, we did not have a gym. And uh, the, you know, the uh, the athletes uh, practiced and played at the Armory there in, in Glasgow. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, but Mr. Twyman was the first basketball coach at Ralph Bunch High School. And, and then uh, for listeners again, um, went on uh, to uh, to become mayor and, and w- stayed uh, as mayor in Glasgow for uh, many long years. I, I, I don't know exactly the number of years. I should know that, but I, tw- 20 years or something like that. I mean, for a, quite a long time. I'd heard the number. I think it might have been, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it might have been about 17 years, Ben. I, I don't know. Between 17, 20, I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Bill. Bill, uh, two other icons that I, I, I kind of wanted to just mention, and that was uh, uh, Hank Ross, the, 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 the late, great Hank Ross that came down to Bunch and, and uh, uh, um, uh, uh, told our stories and, and, and had us on the radio back then. Radio was really keen. And also the late, um, great uh, Joel Wilson, which was, which, which was a photographer, which was the editor of the uh, Glasgow Daily Times. 
they was two uh, of the community uh, members that was instrumental in in keeping the uh, uh, the publicity and 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 getting the word out about athletics and whatever. And and, and like I say, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Twyman, who who uh, uh, aspired to to having education, and that was his main focus, and he inspired. Charlie and myself and and all the students at Ralph Bunch to to go on further and as you know uh, uh, he graduated from from Indiana University at a, at a time when that they were accepting very few um, uh, 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 black students at, at that university with honors and whatever so those are three really icons that that helped with the transition I'm, I'm sure of, of doing things now Bill I will also mention some of the other fans. Uh, that was pretty much, uh, you know, just about at every game that we played. You know, I would see him in the stands was Mr. Joe Goodman, uh, his son, Joe the Third, either Joe the Third or Joe, yes. Joe the Third, yeah. yeah. Uh, and his uh, Joe Jr., uh, I think, uh, uh, Joe the Second. Okay, I, I never could get them all. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, they're cousins of mine, and I can't keep them straight either. <laughs> But I was very uh, good friends with both Mr. Goodman and, and his sons. Matter yeah. of fact, um, after my uh, freshman year, I came back to Glasgow and I worked worked there at Goodman Oldsmobile and Cadillac during the summer. You know, and and Joe Joe the third and I we worked together. You know, we were about Joe, we were about the same age. No, I'm going to say, Charlie, you worked. Uh, <laughs> Joe just kind of stood by and watched you, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both, we all had, you know, we had a good time. And uh, I mean, I, I wasn't working too hard myself, Bill. <laughs> so, uh, uh, is there somebody else you wanted to mention? Did, did you have another name or is that just uh, Joe was, McKinney? Yeah. Uh, a lot yeah. Of people might not remember Joe McKinney, but he was the first uh, sports writer. I think, was it the Republican? Was that the paper? Glasgow Republican, yes. Uh huh. At that time, two, two papers there. Yeah. He preceded, uh, uh, Joe, uh, Joe, Joel Wilson, you know, he gave us a lot of write-ups, you know, and, uh, were, really was a big proponent of mine that uh, promoted me as a player, you know, there in Glasgow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, I, one quick statement, if I could, and this is just in retrospect with the, uh, with the segregated past, I, I think that they've done a great job. It was a tough it was a tough thing to do because these gentlemen are in the eighties up toward 90 years of age. And so Alonzo Webb did many of the interviews in person. And then they sent out, uh, they sent out information for people to send that fill out. They made telephone calls to relatives, et cetera. And so it was a, it was a tough thing for them to do to come to this point. I've sat in on their meetings and listened to them. They were like a family which means that families don't always get along at the very beginning or sometimes at the end, but at the end, they always came out smiling and, and with each other. I purposely did not become a member of the committee so that I could sit from the outside and watch this family dynamics take place. I think that anybody that sees the final product is going to be pleased with it. If they go to the crossroads there in Glasgow, I think they'd be pleased with whatever they see from humanities, because if you take the first five letters in the humanities, then you've got what 
Humanities has been doing in Kentucky. That's part of the reason that I'm on the board of directors. So it's not just rural crossroads. It's a lot more that has taken place from hometown heroes all the way through. So I'm, I'm very pleased to be part of this board. I'm also very pleased to have sit in on the forces of the segregated past, but with the great Charles Big Game Hunter. Uh, and of course, with Floyd Bridges, who was a great player in his own right that I did see play in a faculty student game at Fulton Junior High uh, as he shot his jump shot and then backpedaled down the court. <laughs> I, I wanted to get that in before, and we may have more time, but I wanted to get that in about forces of the segregated past. Well, Clarence, thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, we're very uh, proud and, and pleased to have you as a board member of Kentucky Humanities. And uh, Floyd and, and Charlie, I, I want to tell you what a, uh, a delight this has been for me and what a, what a, um, um, how, how uh, I've enjoyed this so much and, and thinking about uh, when, when all of us were, were growing up in, uh, in I, what I consider uh, still today to be one of the finest uh, small towns in America. And we, I think we're very uh, lucky in some respects to, to share that. Um, once again, the Museum on Main Street Crossroads exhibit opens in uh, on April the 10th, uh, and it runs through May 15th, so you have plenty of time. Hopefully, some of this uh, pandemic uh, precaution is going to be lifted, and people will get to visit uh, and see the exhibit, but they will also have uh, on display uh, the booklet of Voices of the Segregated Past, um, and I know that um, uh, people will be, as Clarence said, uh, I've seen it uh, in a, uh, a rough draft form. Uh, and uh, it, it's it, it's just fascinating, really, to read about uh, all the players and, and cheerleaders, as Charlie pointed out uh, before, uh, that really uh, were such an important part of of um, legacy and, and in Glasgow and, uh, and all these other schools too. I mean, it's not just in, in Barron County. It goes to the, to the entire uh, E41 uh, group of schools. And I think, um, I think there's going to be some real interest in this uh, uh, gentleman. Uh, you've done a, you've done a really uh, good thing for, for history, which we believe very much in at Kentucky Humanities uh, and and very much uh, you've done a good thing for for Kentucky, and uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to be well received. So um, hang on and hang in there, and um, and uh, people will be contacting you about this. I, I really believe that. Charlie, did you want to have a a final word? I would just like to say that uh, uh, we need to give a lot of credit to uh, Jimmy Stockton, who pretty much wrote the narrative <clears throat> for this book. And, uh, and all the uh, committee members uh, that contributed, Floyd, Don Alford, who uh, attended uh, uh, Bowling Green High Street, and Miss Wathetta Buford, who was our secretary, had done an outstanding job taking our notes. And, uh, and let's see, uh, Rick and, and uh, Rick being the chairperson, I think Ron, uh, Lonnie's been the co-chair. Uh, and I would have to say, I'd take my hat off and they have all, we've all, I think have done an, uh, outstanding job and this wasn't easy. No, you know, it wasn't easy at all to try to go back and bring all that to the forefront and, and, and kind of 
lay it out and, and, and put it in a way that we've been able to do it. And hopefully that it will be well accepted by, you know, by the community and, and people that gets a chance to read it will, uh, will say a job well done. Gentlemen, uh, thank you once again. Uh, I hope to, uh, to see you in person someday and, and uh, shake your hand and, and we'll have other reminiscences and, and conversations about our, our hometown. And uh, also thanks to Sherry Wesley, Executive Director of the Barron County Cultural Center, where Crossroads Exhibit is on display through May 15th. Thanks for listening to Think Humanities. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.